0: I was making myself, I was making myself this very fine hot chocolate.
1: My first Mac hack was uh, probably 88, uh, so I was working at Orange Micro.
0: There were some te- technical difficulties with the hot chocolate maker, and I had to debug it. Guess
2: what? I got a fever, and the only prescription is more... Sean Parent. Welcome to ADSP the podcast, episode seventeen, recorded on March eighteenth, two thousand twenty one. My name is Connor, and today with my co host Bryce, we are super excited to bring you a conversation with our first guest, Sean Parent. How is it going, ADSP listeners? It is just Connor recording a introduction slash prologue before we hop into the conversation with Sean. Sean Parent, as many of you know, is a senior principal scientist working for Adobe. He's been at Adobe since 1993, with the exception of a year in 2009 2010, where he worked for Google, which is where the infamous That's a Rotate story comes from. Before Adobe, he worked at Apple for roughly five years. And before Apple, he started his career at a company called Orange Micro. That's all I'll say about sean's work history as i'm sure you'll hear a lot more about it from him as he will be a recurring guest on adsp the podcast the one thing i do want to add though is that if you haven't seen any of sean's talks i can't recommend them highly enough my two favorites are c++ seasoning from 2013 and generic programming from 2018 listening to sean talk is inspiring. And a part of the reason that I gave my first conference talk in 2019 algorithm intuition is because of watching Sean Perrin's C++ seasoning from 2013. So at this point, I'm going to splice in a quote from his generic programming talk in 2018, because I think it's absolutely fantastic. And after that, we will hop into our conversation. Super excited to bring you this conversation with Sean Perrin.
1: Right? And Alex has this beautiful little solution in there for stable sort that builds it up out of all the other algorithms. All the algorithms within the STL fit together like puzzle pieces. Right? I saw this, and I thought, who writes code like this? Okay. right? I mean, keep in mind here, I'm working with a bunch of phenomenal engineers, right? Great people. These are some of the top people in the industry. And I've never seen somebody who writes code like this. Okay. This is not like the code that Alex published in in his paper five years before, right? He's clearly grown and had some time to think about it. Um, uh, uh, so it's just this phenomenal piece of work. And for me, it was like like I want to write code like that. How do I write code like that?
2: All right. We are recording our first episode with a guest. And if you've been listening up till now, you probably have a good idea who it is, the man, the myth, the legend, Sean Parent. How's it going?
1: Hey, it's going pretty good. So yeah, I've been actually listening to your podcast. I think I'm current. So I've listened to all of them.
2: It was probably the highlight of my year so far when you tweeted out around Christmas, the photo of you with a glass of eggnog with the caption, that was a lot of APL. <laughs> so thank you for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're, you're an easy man to please, I guess. So,
0: Sean, do you, do you remember your, do you remember the keynote you gave at C++ now, like 2014? It was a, it was you gave a talk where you were talking about um, getting, I think it was like getting Photoshop or something like of that nature running on an iPad. And I, what I remember about the talk is there's one point where you're talking about um, you know what, what's, what's the compute that you have available on, on, the, on the iPad? And like a small part of it is the serial processing power, and then there's a larger part of it that's the you know parallel processing power, and then you have the GPU. And yeah, it was just it, I think it's I think it's my favorite of your talks. But anyways, I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I now obviously work at Nvidia and work a lot on parallel computing. And uh, I just remember Annette, like like in hindsight, thinking that talk was really prescient.
1: Yeah, it's uh. Uh, I use that slide, that slide's actually from, from Russell Williams, and it's it's not specific to the iPad, it's actually a, an Intel box that a few years ago he kind of broke down the numbers on. Uh, but yeah, if you look at where the compute horsepower is in, in a modern machine, if you're just writing single-threaded code on the, you know, on the, on the CPU um, uh, with no SIMD, uh, you're using uh, 0.25% of the complete compute capability of the machine. And, uh, you know, most of the MIPS are trapped inside the, the GPU and increasingly now uh, split between GPU and ML units.
0: Yeah. Yeah, one, one of these days I'm going to, one of these days somebody at NVIDIA is going to teach me something about this machine learning stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely worth worth looking at. I mean, the uh, 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 you know my short summary of of kind of modern machine learning is is if you think about um, you know what we write on machines are just functions, and and we typically come up with some equation for the function. But any function can be approximated, and so if you have something where you don't know what the function is, but you can feed enough material to to uh, a machine learning system, it can learn to to derive an approximate function. And and uh, uh, so you know that's kind of all all machine learning is. But but it does it does change things if you look at in image processing. Uh, uh, say, take Lightroom, the, the Lightroom auto button, which, you know, kind of auto-adjusts all the sliders. Uh, that used to be a very carefully hand-tuned algorithm and trying to look at, well, you know, statistically, how would we want to balance highlights and shadows, and what about this kind of image, and what about that kind of image? And uh, the approach now is to just uh get a bunch of experts and have them correct a whole bunch of images and do a really good job and have the machine learn what they do. And that's the auto button these days. So,
0: so, so you've worked on a, you've worked on Photoshop. What are all the things that you've worked on in Adobe? You've worked on Photoshop, Premiere.
1: Uh, I have not worked on Premiere. So at Adobe, um, uh, uh, I started at Adobe working on Photoshop, and then we launched a, an internet division. This was way back when Netscape was really hot, and and everybody needed an internet division. Um, uh, uh, and so I. I ended up working on a, a shared component about the only surviving piece of that is something called XMP, which is a standard for metadata and how metadata is embedded in documents so that you can, you can pull it out. Um, uh, from there, I did a stint in Adobe's ATG, which is their advanced technology group, or was at the time, uh, a research team. And I was doing, that's where I started research on something called property models, which I still, is still something that I continue to work on in my, what little spare time I have. Um, uh, While I was in ATG is when Adobe hired and then fired Alex Stepanov, and that led to me, uh, and then hired him back and the hiring him back led to me managing him and together we formed adobe software technology lab which spun out of our research team and so i ran adobe software technology lab for eight years and uh, you know we wrote wrote the book elements of programming we created adobe source libraries we did a whole bunch of stuff internally as part of that effort and uh, uh, when STLAB fell apart, uh, I went to Google for a year, worked on Chrome OS, came back to Adobe to work on Revel, which was a consumer version of Lightroom. For uh, We shipped it for iPhone, iPad, and desktop. And it was a precursor for Lightroom mobile. It was running the same imaging engine that Lightroom runs so I pivoted from working on Revel uh, just before Revel was canceled uh, to start Lightroom Mobile. And so I did Lightroom Mobile and then uh, got the imaging engine going inside the browser. So that was Lightroom Web. And then after doing that, uh, a guy named Dave Howe walked into my office one day and said, could we just put Photoshop on the iPad? And I said, I think I know how I would do that. And that launched the effort to put Photoshop on iPad. So. Did did Photoshop mobile and and Photoshop mobile is somewhat of a larger effort. If you can probably read the tea leaves, if you look at at people we're hiring these days, Uh, but part of that was taking. The Photoshop code base and turning it into a library uh, that contains kind of all the interactive logic so so you can't just do batch processing with it but you can attach a UI to this library and and put Photoshop in other places and so recently I've been doing some work putting Photoshop in other places which haven't shipped yet and uh, and right now I'm Putting together a white paper and maybe looking to hire somebody and uh, uh, get back in in the research side of things a little bit. I've got an idea for a, a potential product that's a, a little bit long lead and is gonna gonna require a little research to, to feed into it.
0: Spicy. So when when you um when you when did you first meet Alex? Did you know Stepanov before? Uh, You became his manager?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, 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 when I was working in Adobe's ATG group, one of my colleagues there uh, was an individual, Larry Massenter. And Larry had worked with Alex at Bell Labs years ago and was friends with Alex. And Larry invited Alex to give a talk at Adobe. And at that time, Alex was uh, vice president at Compaq uh, computers, if you remember who they were. They made kind of you know, portable PC devices and Compaq was getting bought out by HP. And so Alex had been in HP research before, but now he's a VP at Compaq, going through a transition to Hewlett Packard. And so Alex came in and gave a talk on STL. And afterwards, I went up to him and told him, hey, I enjoyed the talk and uh, a fan of your work on STL. And it was a wonderful talk. And he asked what I did. And we started chatting about, at the time, I was researching property models. And he said, you know, that's actually interesting. So we ended up going up to my office and talking for like four hours. And I gave him a demo of property models. And we just chatted. And at some point in that conversation, he said, uh, he said, he said, you know, I've, I've really missed being an engineer and doing engineering. And I said, well, why don't you go back to it? Like, what's stopping you? And he just kind of laughed and shrugged it off. And, you know, we wrapped up our talk and he went away. And about two weeks later, he gave me a call and said, you know, I gave a lot of thought to what you were saying. And I would like to go back and be an engineer. And is there a position at Adobe? And I tried to get him a position in Adobe's research organization, uh, but failed. In fact, the exact quote I got from our then CTO was, uh, we don't need another C++ person like you. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, To put this in context a little bit at the time, uh, there was this belief that Adobe would at some point uh, rewrite all of their applications either in in Java or in Flash uh, um, uh, as safer languages. So uh, I never thought that that would ever happen, and certainly <laughs> I've been proven correct to date. <laughs> um, uh, uh but uh, i did manage to find alex a position in uh, uh, one of our shared technology groups and unfortunately it was a really bad mismatch um uh, uh, this was kind of a, 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 a generally a, a, a mediocre team there were some strong individuals on, on the on the team Uh uh, working on a legacy component that just needed a bunch of bug fixes and maintenance. And Alex came in and was of the opinion that, you know, basically all of this is wrong and needs to be rewritten from the ground up. And and the engineers on this team don't have a strong theoretical education. So I need to to start by teaching the engineers how to code, and then we'll start rewriting this product. Uh, that went over about as well with management as you would expect, and and we tried hard. Uh, we tried to make the classes very relevant, and you know I helped Alex with his classes, and Alex was getting increasingly frustrated, and and at one point I told Alex I said you know if it gets to the point where you're going to quit, please call me, and and we'll see if there's something else that that uh, you know see see if we can make something else happen. And, and and he said, no, no, no. He, he thought that this project was important and he was willing to stick it out and there, there was no way he was going to quit. And about two weeks later, he called me up and he goes, guess what? And I said, they, they, I, said, I said, you quit. And he's like, no, they fired me. <laughs> and so, so I went to my, my then boss, who was uh, uh, Greg Gilley, and uh, a lot of respect for Greg, and said, you know, Alex uh, was fired, and you need to to make that not happen and hire him back into your organization. And Greg said, I can't do that politically because he was, you know, fired in a different organization, and it makes the management chain in that organization look bad if I if I then just turn around and hire him back. And and I said I said well at least do me a favor and take Alex out to lunch so Greg took Alex out to lunch and came back and called me into his office and said damn you I'm going to hire him back <laughs> um, uh, but here's the deal you're going to manage him so
0: had had you uh, had you managed people before Alex.
1: Uh, uh so yeah, I had been uh, uh, engineering manager on Photoshop for for a while, f- fairly early on during uh, Photoshop 5 time frame. And uh, uh, when uh, I had done the stint uh, with uh, when we launched the Internet division, uh, I was managing a share technology team in that in in you know in that organization so i had done some amount of man- management and then
0: but I'm, I'm gonna bet that alex was a bit different <laughs> you know
1: yes alex was a bit different uh the my wife will sometimes refer to me as peter pan because i have a habit of of collecting the lost boys <laughs> is, is 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 the way she <laughs> she puts it um Uh, uh, you know, when when I was running Software Technology Lab, myself included, almost everybody on the team except for Alex were kind of refugees from our, our advanced technology group and, and so kind of, you know, misfit individuals. Um, uh, even when I was engineering manager on Photoshop, my management philosophy has always been that That you, you know, you kind of want to align your goals with where the company is going, but you want people to be working on what interests them. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes that means not taking a straight line path to, to what the corporate goals are. You know, it means you'll, you'll run a bit on a tangent, but if you have your people working on things that interest them, you'll end up going further faster uh, than if you just force people to to stay on target and, and walk a straight line. And, uh, 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 so, so, you know, I'm a relatively hands-off manager when it comes to, to the individuals. I try to just, you know, make sure that I'm communicating with them well and, and know what they're doing and know what they're working on. And, you know, largely the role then of, of, for me, of being a manager, is is conveying that information up, right, right, making sure that that management is aware of the value of the team and and uh, 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 that things are going well in that regard.
0: I, I just realized we should probably explain to our audience who Alex Stepanov is because some of our listeners are not going to be C people and and won't know. <laughs> right. Which, so who is
1: Alex Stepanov? Right, so 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 Alex Stepanov, uh, uh, best known as the uh, uh, creator of the the STL, the Standard Template Library, which is part of the C++ standard library, uh, which was was very unique and revolutionary at the time that, that it became part of the C++ standard. It didn't look like like any other uh, uh, library in that time frame. And uh, part of that was was inventing the, the notion of concepts, which are now a formal part of the language in in C++20. So Alex wrote the the early papers and coined the term concept. Um, uh, you know, Alex's history he's, he's you know quite a, a, a brilliant individual. He was born and and raised in, in Moscow, um, uh, was a PhD equivalent and university professor at the age of 14, uh, was kind of identified early on as, uh, as a math prodigy and, uh, uh, was, uh, kicked out of Russia in the, in the seventies and found his way to the U S, um, uh, worked mostly in research organizations in uh, GE Labs, uh, uh, Bell Labs, HP Labs, um, uh, uh, doing doing research in in software development. And it was you know his uh, stint at uh, uh, Bell Labs that got him interested in in C and C languages. And then he developed the the standard template library at HP Labs.
2: So I didn't know Stepanov was kicked out of Russia. Is that- yeah, I've <laughs> yeah. not heard that before. Uh, are you allowed to yeah. elaborate or shine some light on what happened there, or is that something we uh, don't talk about uh, anymore? <laughs> uh,
1: you know, I've I've gotten the the story from Alex, so so apologies if I don't don't get all the details uh, correct correct here. But his his parents were. Um, uh, or his father was a journalist, and and that gave him uh, 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 access to uh, 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 foreign diplomats who were 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 visiting Moscow, and he uh, 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 would uh, smuggle information to the 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 foreign diplomats and was arrested twice uh, by the KGB. Um, uh, The first time he was sentenced to military service. Um, uh, uh, And the the second time they, uh, 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 it was uh, 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 more of punitive measures. And the third time he was caught, they uh, escorted him to the border, stripped him of his papers, uh, he and his wife, and said goodbye. So, so yes, his uh, he was, uh, uh, I believe it was Austria. He was stuck in Austria for some amount of time, and he had friends in Sweden, so he was trying to get uh, 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 get permission to leave to Sweden and just because of the bureaucracy couldn't make that happen and one of his contacts said you know you need to contact the U.S. and apparently the U.S. was like a Russian mathematician you want to come to the U.S. yep we'll make that happen so this was in the in the middle of the Cold War and so that's how he ended up in the U.S. so
0: Connor's dad is also a journalist, and apparently a fairly well-known journalist in Canada. That is true. Yes. D- didn't you want to tell me, Connor, that you used to have people who would like look at your last name, and they'd like pale; their faces would pale, and they'd be like, "Are you related to whatever your dad's name?" is? Yeah, this
2: is a super random anecdote that probably our listeners uh, won't care about. Um, one time at a party um, when I was in university. Yeah, I, I met one of my, my ex's friends, and they said, oh, Hookstra, that's uh, you're not related to Gord, which is my dad's name, uh, <laughs> are you? And I said, oh, yeah, that's my dad. And then she was just like, can can you get me a meeting with him? And I was like, uh, for what? And she's like, I work for Fortis, which is a, like an oil company. And they were like, it would be... Oh, oh my goodness, like the people upstairs, like there, there's flags, red flags, they get raised whenever, you know, he sends out a story that has anything to do with us, and anyway, so... Uh, it's
0: He was an investigative reporter, so if you were doing anything sketchy in Canada, you'd be afraid of the sky.
2: Yeah, yeah, so uh, I just think of him as like my dad, um, but to, to, to like people that work at oil companies and to politicians... um there, there always there's a bit of concern I think when, uh, when, and I'm glad that there's probably like zero overlap between everyone that I'm talking about right now and the people that listen to this podcast. But anyways, um, yeah. Well, well, is...
0: well, don't worry. I think it's pretty unlikely that he's going to get kicked out of Canada for. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that is crazy. That um, I did not, and that's it's so weird to think that uh, Stepanov, like we all, or at least I, we we think of him as, as sort of like the father of the you know standard template library. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, worked at Adobe for a number of years that at one point he was being sort of chased down by the KGB. And then at some point they said, "Okay, bye bye. Uh, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I, I,
0: I really kind of think of him as not not only the father of the standard template library, but also also sort of the the father of a lot of what we consider to be, you know, modern C++ library design. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the um, a lot of the fundamentals that we take for granted about how you should build able to library come from work that Alex either did or Alex inspired.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. Um, I think unfortunately, you know, I'm going to say this because I'm I'm working on a standards proposal right now. I just finished a couple pages for for uh, John Lakos's uh, 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 upcoming book, um, uh, but but I'm I'm working on a standards proposal to try to fix the post conditions of a move from object in the standard, which I think are badly broken. Uh, uh, but in kind of digging through why the post conditions for a move from object are badly broken, it uh, you know, I realized that uh, one of the key ideas from STL uh, and concepts, which was about the domain of an operation, has been all but stripped from from STL. And the requirements in the standard right now, even though we still have the requirements tables where we define things like. Uh, you know what what quality comparable is, or what less than comparable is, and now they're called things like you know CPP17 equality comparable. We have all the tables there as as STL requirements, but they're no longer actually used as requirements. So so if you look. You know, if you, if you just search the, the standard for the, the CPP-17, equality comparable requirement, it's never used as a, as a requirement for any of the algorithms or containers, right? Std find doesn't require that the value type is a quality comparable uh, uh, anymore, where it did in the old old STL documentation. Uh, instead, there's just a couple of types within the standard library, that satisfy the requirements that you know they, they guarantee they satisfy the requirements of of uh, of a quality comparable as my example here uh, but that's you know th- th- what value does that have if nothing actually has the requirement right I have a type that satisfies these requirements that nothing actually requires so 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 I think over time the the semantics of the standard library have kind of been stripped away, and what we're left with is is works as coded, right? When I write std::find, it's defined as, as it applies equal equal to each of the elements in the sequence until equal equals returns true. Um, uh, 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 and at that point, equal equal is just a predicate. It's not, it's not, uh, 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 actually searching for for an equal element.
0: Yeah, th- this has been, um, this is actually a problem I've, be- I've become f- intimately familiar with um, because I did a lot of work um, on on the algorithms when we were adding the parallel versions of the algorithms. We came to realize that you know a lot of the specification of the requirements for some of the algorithms, notably the numeric ones, but some of the others as well, were sort of underspecified or didn't really capture all of what the requirements were, and, and in many cases they didn't. Uh, you know, we, we didn't have concepts in the language when we first introduced them, and we didn't get them in C plus um, plus eleven. And so, because of that, the, the current corpus of algorithms, the ones that have been there since you know since the start, are not specified in terms of uh, in terms of algorithm in terms of concepts. Um, which is uh, which is unfortunate. It's Eric Eric Niebler likes to likes to say that you know concepts should should come from algorithms, right? That you you write the concepts um, uh, that a particular algorithm needs, but uh, unfortunately, that's just not how the that's not how the specification is structured today. Although we've gone a long way till it's fixing that with ranges.
1: Yeah, I you know I think. Things are improved in ranges, although we don't in in C plus plus twenty. Anyways, we don't have much in the terms of algorithms with ranges. I haven't looked at at what's going on with C plus plus twenty three. You know where we where we might get more. Uh, But yes, it is it is very unfortunate, and it's been uh, uh, kind of this this this. I think thing that has happened over time this this weakening of the concepts because people want to say well look if i if i call find and find is just this loop and i call it with my my equal equal it does what i want it may not do you know it may not be completely legal but but what i want happens to have the same structure and and you know the way things are defined right now it's perfectly legitimate to call std find say say where the value you're looking for is a nan and that won't actually find anything but it's completely legal as far as the standards concerned uh, because you can call operator equal on all those on all the things and so even if you're looking for a nan in the sequence of nams you can call it it won't find it where in in say the hp or the the sgi stl the the early versions of stl and even in the early versions of the standard uh, 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 that would have been undefined behavior because you were violating the preconditions for for find. And over time, the preconditions have been weakened. And along with that, the semantics of the operation have been weakened. So,
0: I, th- I think a part of it is also, um, we often at the surface, we think about um, concept requirements as being syntactic, but there's also semantic requirements too. And it might, you know, it's often difficult or impossible for us to enforce the semantic requirements, but it does not make them any less important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the point. It doesn't make them any less important. And the whole idea, you know, with concepts was, 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 they've never been particularly checkable because for the, for the most part, you know, they, they rely on, on, on existential qualifiers, right. You know, for all or for any, um, you know, I'm sorry, for all or there exists, right, 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 some element that, that satisfies this. And so there's, there's no way short of doing a proof that you can, you can validate that that's met. So the idea with concepts was to say, was to say we can still have the strict semantics, and what we do is we just associate those semantics with a name. We say, yeah. If you use this name, then you have to guarantee that you satisfy these semantics. Um, uh, uh, and if you do satisfy those semantics, then the operation works as specified. Uh, 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 but yeah, so over time, those semantics have been have been stripped away. So like I said, you know, stood find no longer requires a quality it only requires that operator equal equal be a binary predicate and be callable for all the items within the range.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And, and I, I think there, there are some really good examples that demonstrate that sort of that property of that, you know, a lot of these concepts, a lot of the concepts or things that you want to express with concepts involve these, you know, existential, you know, for all or for any that are really hard to quantify. Like the best, simple example of this I think of is if you want to say, I want an invocable that can take a single parameter that is an integral. Um, so not a particular instance of an integral type, but something that satisfies the integral concept. There's not really a way to express that in the concepts that we have today. Instead, what you can say is you can say, I want something that satisfies invocable with this particular integral type. But that problem of, uh, of sort of uh, I think often what, what in the c0 plus O X model it was called archetypes. It's very hard to to check for that. To check, hey, does does this is this thing satisfy the invocable constraints for anything that satisfies this other set of constraints?
1: Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah. And and where this, you know, the 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 damage that I think this has done with with move is in the old eight. Uh, Know, HP and, and, and SGI STL for people who don't know. So the, the STL was originally developed in HP Labs. And so the, the very first prototype of, of STL was done at HP Labs and then Alex moved to SGI. And, and so one of the early popular uh, standard conformant implementations of the STL uh, came out of, of SGI. So you can still find the, the docs for that online. Uh, uh somebody scraped them from the SGI website when SGI uh, uh, took them down. Um, uh, uh, if you if you look at the at the old docs and even the the old versions of the standard, there was this notion of the domain of an operation and and basically what that said is that the, the concept, you know say a concept of a quality comparable, um, uh, only has to hold for the values that are reachable through the arguments to the function. So if you're talking about um, uh, 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 std.find, a um, uh, 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 quality didn't have to be defined as as total for all possible values of the arguments passed, only for the values that were reachable you know, within the range of uh, 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 where you where you were finding elements and that's how how Alex kind of dealt with NANs and double precision so you know less than is required to be a strict weak ordering uh, uh, less than on floating point types is not a strict weak ordering if you consider NAN and so so Alex just took NAN out of the domain of the operation right right and being outside the domain of the operation doesn't mean that it has Undefined behavior for a specific type. It just means that in the use of the algorithms, it's, uh, it it no longer satisfies the the precondition for 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 the algorithm, and so that's how, how things like NaN got got dealt with. Um, uh, in the case of move, because now the domain of operation, it still appears in the standard, but it only does for operator equal equal on input iterators, which is like really weird. It's been like stripped every place else, and now there's just one section uh, uh, where we talk about domain of operation for equal equal for input iterators. And um, uh, the reason why why that affects move is basically what happens is when I, I, I move one object from one location to another object, location, the value that's been moved from is only required to be in an unspecified state, and that unspecified state uh, 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 has to be removed from the domain for most of the other operations, Um, uh, uh, you know, and basically my proposed wording is to say, you know, it's, it's, it's removed from the domain of all operations except for uh, uh uh being used in the left hand side of assignment and destruction right right and uh, uh but it's 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 a challenge because because domain of operation isn't used anymore in the standard so that's where we'll end part one tune in next week for part two have a great day